Welcome to the Companion Chapel. My name is Mike, coming to you from the Great Lakes area, beautiful Ontario, Canada, on this gorgeous Tuesday, March 30th, day 221. The book of Hebrews today, chapter 10. This is a chapter you don't want to miss. It contains the most intense, daunting warning in Scripture that I've found. The book of Hebrews chapter 10, divine inspiration penned by the Apostle Paul himself, not only for believers, but also aimed at waverers. First, please consider your part in the many-membered body of Christ. Participate in glorifying, magnifying, and broadcasting God's saving word. My part is creating this Bible teaching media. Your call to action consists of supporting post-media solutions by way of your time or money contributions. God's Word being taught cover to cover, chapter by chapter, and verse by verse requires advertising, a functioning website suitable for search and social. It requires the many-membered body of Christ. Whatever God-given talent you have, God expects you to use it in the many-membered body of Christ. God's blessings will abound on you and yours. Give it up for God at CompanionChapel.com, Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, or e-transfer to email address CompanionChapel at gmail.com. Your gift as little as $10 a month or $0.30 cents a day enables me to bring you a Bible teaching podcast a day, every day. You are encouraged to send your biblical questions or prayer requests to email address CompanionChapel at gmail.com or come by for a Bible study to number 338, side row 28-29, Paisley, Ontario. Canada. The phone number here that you can call or text is 519-706-8876. Now please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 1. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Now this word perfect is is, means fulfilling and what we're talking about here is the laws are the framework to salvation Christ is the fulfillment and before Christ came we didn't have that fulfillment or they didn't have it we do verse 2 for then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more con- conscious of sin but in, the, in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sin every year. In other words, what Paul is trying to say here, the message being conveyed is now people can repent daily. But back then they had to go, they just went once a year to the church and they dragged a bull or a goat with them and uh, or whatever they were going to sacrifice. And it just became a pedestrian thing. And uh, now we have our Lord Jesus Christ. The fulfillment of salvation is here and now. Verse uh, 4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Uh, the, the blood sacrifices that they gave back then, before Christ, didn't have any value. Uh, bulls and goats never experienced sin, therefore have no power over sin like Jesus Christ has. He, he had sin brought to his face and he showed self-discipline he showed infliction that's what the cross is all about or affliction i should say and he he knew how to say no to himself he knew how to say no to sin and he did not sin and therefore he has power over sin and that's what we pay homage to that's what we glory we glory the cross and we glory our lord jesus christ bulls and goats didn't mean anything it was uh, it was it was just the way it went okay first five will explain that Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. So what 
what's being said here from Psalms chapter 40 is it wasn't pleasing to God because it became a pedestrian ritual. It wasn't from the heart. This was just something that they had to do. They didn't have uh, our Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't understand. Well, like I said, it just became a pedestrian ritual. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast no pleasure. Again, Psalms 40 and Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. God wants your love, not your burnt offerings. It didn't mean anything anymore. Verse 7. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. Jesus Christ came in the volume of the book. He is the living word, and in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Lord Jesus Christ, from Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 22, verse 21. Everything that is in there that is contained is about Jesus Christ. He is the living word. To do the will of God. That's what we do. We grow skilled in him, the volume of this living word. And it's, uh, he came in the volume of the book as Emmanuel, God with us. He manifested a little lower than the angels. And he experienced or everything that we could possibly imagine was thrown in his face. And he said, no, I have power over these things. If Jesus Christ would have sinned in any way, then that sin would be allowed in the kingdom of heaven or it would not be a valid kingdom. He did not compromise with evil. He did not compromise with sin. Sin did not penetrate our Lord Jesus Christ in any which way. No guile, no malice, no corruption was found in the Lord Jesus Christ. He was blameless. And that validated the kingdom of heaven with the blood ordinances. With the blood ordinance. Once his blood spilt and he gave up the ghost and he went into his spiritual body, that's it. The kingdom of heaven became valid, legit, bona fide. It will not accommodate evil period eight above when he said sacrifice and offering sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not neither had pleasure therein which are offered by the law okay so the law was followed like a, a necessary ritual uh, traditions crept in and the blood sacrifice lost its intended focus purpose because people didn't, people didn't think about their sin anymore. They just went there, okay, this is like a pedestrian thing. We do this. We're part of the church. We're part of the community. Uh, we have to do this. We have to pay into the church. And that's just the way it was. And uh, people still do it like that. They still, to this day, think they can just go to church. And they're good till the next week. And let's just think, let's just read about what, what these laws mean. Because a lot of people, a lot of pastors teach Oh, the laws, the laws aren't uh, enforced anymore. And what do, like all the laws are enforced. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5 and what Jesus Christ said. Think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I'm come not to destroy, but to fulfill. He fulfilled the blood ordinances. Now the blood ordinances, we don't do those anymore because Jesus Christ's blood spilt one for one in all times now. It has much more value than the blood of bulls and goats. That can't set up a kingdom of heaven, but Jesus Christ did. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth shall pass, not one jit or one tittle shall no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. He fulfilled his part. He fulfilled Psalms 22. He fulfilled he was coming in the, in the volume of the book, and he fulfilled the sacrifice to set up the kingdom of heaven for us, for whomsoever will. Proverbs 28.9 says, He that turneth away his ear from the law... Even his prayer shall be an abomination to God. So when somebody says to you, 
it doesn't matter if they got a, a backwards collar on or a dress on uh, and they think they're all that a, a big preacher guy and says no the laws are they don't they're not uh, enforced anymore well then just go and read what Jesus Christ said who are you going to believe Jesus Christ or some guy with a backwards collar on he said okay so just take take your pastor and be nice to him and just say okay pastor guy what about Matthew chapter 5 here What's, what about this and that's all there is to it. It's simple as that. The laws were followed back then like a necessary ritual. We still follow the laws. What are the laws the laws of the Ten Commandments, all the laws written. Okay, let's just leave it at that. Verse 9. Then said he, Lo, I come to do the will of God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. It's repentant, repentance by honoring the cross. Uh, verse 10. By the which... We were, okay, so more on verse 9. Honoring the cross, not honoring on bringing a goat into church, or now if you don't want to bring a goat into church because uh, the pastor's not going to do a blood sacrifice, uh, bringing your wallet into church. You can't buy salvation. You can't, okay, repentance. We're going to have to talk about repentance for a second because this is all about repentance here. Now we can repent daily. Now, we are, now to learn about repentance properly, our supernatural teacher, our master, our rabbi, our wonderful counselor, takes us to, uh, talks about repentance in Matthew chapter 21 and verse uh, 28. And this is Christ teaching us about what repentance really is. It's not some pedestrian thing. Okay, 28, Matthew 21, 28. But what, what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, Go to work today in my vineyard. Go produce fruit. This is God talking to us. Go produce fruit. But he just uses this analogy. It can be like uh, some dad going, he wakes up in the morning to go to work, and he, he goes down to the basement to his son sitting there playing video games all night long. Say, Get, go to work. Uh, 20, 29. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second son, and said likewise and he answered him and says sure I'll go to work dad and he didn't bother he just he just said it whether of them whether of these two did the will of his father and uh, and Christ is say, asking this to his disciples and his disciples said the first one and Jesus said unto them verily I say unto you that the publicans and harlots go into the kingdom kingdom of heaven before you now it sounds like, well, the first guy repented. He said, he said, I will not, but afterward repented. Now, in the manuscripts, this word repented here is not the word for real repent. The word for re real repent is metanoia. And that means a real change of mind and attitude towards the sin itself. But Jesus Christ, our supernatural teacher here, uh, teaches us. Now, you have to go back into the manuscripts for this, and that's what I do for you. He answered and said, I will not, but afterward repented and went. And all the disciples thought, okay, that's good. He's, he's good. But no, this word repent here means, is in the manuscripts, is metamelonia. And it means to have an aftercare or annoyance at the consequences of an act of sin, rather than a deep regret at the cause. Like the intent or desire to sin is still there. So this guy went, uh, this son grudgingly put down his video game console and went to work. But he felt he had malice, grudgingly went. And that's no good because it's still in you to sin. It's still there. It's like, 
okay, the, guy, the, the kid put down his video game console, dad said, get to work, and he said no, but then he said, oh, I better go to work, because afterwards, you know, dad's going to be on his case all day long when he comes home, and it's going to just be, uh, it's the consequences they think about. It's, it's the same thing as like when you're driving your pickup down the road and it says 80 kilometers an hour and you look around way out in the country and said, well, you know what? I can get there faster if I do like 120 kilometers an hour. So you're mad at it and you're off. Well, there's consequences to that. You have to think. You're not repenting about breaking the law. You're just thinking about yourself. You're going to drive the speed limit because there's, uh, you're worried about the consequences of getting a ticket. But, but Jesus Christ wants you to repent from the heart and mean it and not think, I can just sit here and play video games all day. Oh, I better not. Um, uh, Dad's going to be mad. Or I can sit here and sin all day. Well, I better not because the consequences, Jesus Christ might be mad, but it's still in you to do it. It has to be a change from the heart, and that's what Jesus Christ allows us. Okay, I have a change from the heart. People bringing up their blood sacrifices to church. It's just because, well, I'm doing this just in case. You know, I just have to fit in. I, 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 it's not from the heart. It's not a pedestrian thing to repent. It's not a ritual to repent. It's from the heart that you have a change. There's an actual change in you. And that's what's being said here about repentance. Paul's teaching us. Okay, so uh, verse uh, 11 or verse 10. By the which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once and for all. Not, a, not uh, once a year or when we get around to repenting. It is like every day. You can repent constantly through the day. If your mind wanders somewhere and you, and you, and you have to get, you feel blame or regret or you're putting, uh, or something's not going your way and you're putting expectations on other people or you feel a bit of resent. Maybe some anxiety will come up on you or jealousies or whatever happens. You, you, you can hit the floor and repent and, and ask for the love of Christ to come into your heart. And then you'll stop feeling those ways. You'll stop feeling all the torments and the, and the ways and things of the world that come upon you and feeling like you're, you're entitled, you have entitlement. No, you know what? This chapter is really deep. I got to get going on it because it really tells, talks about all those things. And every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering oft times the same sacrifices, what can never, which can never take away sins. Again, repentance from the heart. Uh, but this man, after he offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God. He defeated death. He defeated sins. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Not expecting. He's just sitting there. Okay, this is what's going to happen. I wish everybody would repent. Because if everybody repented and followed this book, the volume of the book, there would be no evil in the world. There would be no pain and suffering. There would be no uh, labor exploitation, human rights infractions. There would be no more Mother Nature's getting uh, stomped on. Like uh, mankind is the worst thing to ever happen to planet Earth. All the evil in the world comes from the human heart. And God's not going to accept that anymore. He, he gave his only begotten son. He so loved the world. He loves this planet too. It's the only self-sustaining planet. He loves all his creatures. It's a jewel of the universe. He created it in order and beauty. And then mankind comes along while well, it's all perpetuated by the great instigator of evil himself, Satan. 
puts all these ideals in people's minds. Everything can be going fine in life. Then you start looking around. I want more from that from some king or from some world leader. Oh, I got a whole country here. What well, what are those guys doing in the next country? Well, let's just take their stuff. Let's just walk in there. Oh, what are these people doing over here? Oh, we're just gonna have some communism slide in here. Oh, well, we're a tyrant. We're we're gonna try de democracy. Let's have a vote. Well, the vote you're gonna have like half the people voting one way and half the people voting the other way, and then there, there's division. There's conflict. There's trouble. Because mankind, every plan, every plan, plot, purpose of mankind, always starts off sounding good to people who like it, but there's always disappointment. There's always frustration. It always leads to failure. Every single plan, plot, purpose of mankind. Jesus Christ sat. Jesus Christ sat down on the right hand of God, and soon his enemies will be made his footstool. Uh, Psalms 110. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. You set yourself aside by one offering. Yeah, it's true. When you repent for that moment. You're perfect for that moment until another sin uh, f floods into your mind. What, like we're in a press right now. It's no cakewalk, that's for sure. As it's written, we just did the book of Zechariah, and it's a press. We're, or it's a, there's a flood of deception out there, and we have to be very careful. We let it come in. You, you know, you start to feel a little bit of upsetness or frustrations, and then you have to take inventory and, and realize, okay, well, these things won't happen in the kingdom of heaven. So don't perpetuate them. Just keep things simple. The meek shall inherit the earth. That means you're self-disciplined. Uh, the meek means afflicted. And that means afflicted by your self-discipline. Learning to say no to yourself. The poor shall inherit the earth. What's that mean? Well, we're poor in the ways and things of the world as to the spirit, as to the longings and wantings of the ways and things of the world. We are rich to the longings and wantings of what's promised in the place of peace beyond our present comprehension where Jesus Christ sits at the right hand side of God. And that's a great promise. It's very comforting. He's our comforter. Let's go to verse 15. Whereof the Holy Spirit also is witness to us for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and into their minds. I will write them and their sins and iniquities. I will remember no more upon repentance going into the into the third age, the millennium period. It's a great time of teaching. And God's not going to go after you've repented and we're in the millennium age. We're in the heaven side and go, do you remember when you did that? Do you remember 13 years ago when you were, when, do you know what you did? You know, start rubbing your face in it. And don't do that to people now. There's forgiveness there. God puts his sin behind him. He does not remember it. He's not going to rub your face in it. He considers human frailty. And that's how we have to look at sin too. You know, if you want to apply that today to your marriage or to any relationship you're in, the only way it'll work is with two forgivers. You look at that other person that you're married to and just go, you know, you don't know what's in their heart and in their in their intentions. You know, you basically know, you think you want to know, but you but they're going to do something stupid that you don't like. It's guaranteed. So let it go. Forgive and say, hey, man, that was something that, uh, you know, let's talk about that for a minute. Then it's over. Don't bring it up the next week. Don't bring it up 13 years later or infinity later. And say, you know what? And imagine if we're sitting in heaven and God said, you know what, Michael? I watched you.
do and then carry on with all the stupid, sinful things I've done in life. I just, that's not heaven. He remembers human frailty. I've had a change of heart. I've had a, a real, for real change of heart. And that's what God wants for all of us to each other and when we're in the kingdom of heaven. You're not going to look at someone, hey, you ripped me off. You owe me 20 grand. Hey, get over it. Get over it. If you're still holding on to that, then you guys can argue it out in hell. So it's no value. And God won't allow it. Sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Thank you, God. Thank you. Let's get on with life here. Thank you for teaching us. 18. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Okay, so once you've had remission of sins, once you've asked for forgiveness, don't bring it up in front of God again. What, what are you saying? Wait, okay, uh, let's just say me here. Okay, Mikey, you lied yesterday. Uh, I repented. I tried to make it right. She's an example here. Uh, I asked Jesus Christ to forgive me, and I tried to make it right with the person I lied to, right? And then tomorrow, it's still, uh, I'm going to ask Jesus Christ to forgive me again. What am I saying to Jesus Christ? Uh, yeah, you're not quite strong enough to forgive my sin. I'm just trying to make sure you forgive it. No. Don't bring it up again. Don't nail the same cross to the sin. What are you saying? Jesus Christ isn't able to, to forgive your sins. He, he, he forgives if you mean it, if it's from the heart. And this chapter contains the most formidable, intense, daunting warning in Scripture. And we're coming up to it very soon. Just hang on. <coughs> Excuse me. At 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness by the blood of Christ. Okay, there's no more high priest. There's no more veil. There's no more uh, dragging little uh, your little goat buddy. Uh, up to the church and say, here, slaughter this goat and uh, sprinkle the blood all over the place back there and give it to the high priest and sprinkle it all over the place. Okay, my, I'm good now? I'm good? Okay. And there's no more of that. You have to hit the floor and you have to repent and you have to mean it. You hit the floor in prayer. Leave your goat alone. Uh, don't go to a church and think you can not... What's your goat now? Currency. Money. Don't sit there and go, I'm going to load up this envelope with uh, Ben Franklin's and, and Andrew Jackson's. That's uh, okay. I should be good now. Like I gave quite a bit here. Uh, okay. And then go do the same thing all week long. No, it, it, there's no more of that. Jesus Christ, the holiness. It, the holiest is the blood of Christ. It's the, Jesus Christ. When he was on that cross, you have to understand that was the crowning point of Christianity was the cross at Calvary, where prophecy was fulfilled. The blood ordinances, prophecies, the laws of blood ordinances was fulfilled. And the kingdom of heaven became in accordance with this divine written word, the volume of the book. And that is in accordance with reality. And let's go back to chapter uh, 10 of Hebrews here. Okay. Um, 20. By a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. He's at the right hand of God. He, he ripped that veil. No more high priest in there. It's us. Uh, we say our prayers, and there is no veil between us and the Lord. He ripped that veil from top to bottom, as it's written in Matthew 27. Okay. And having a high priest over the house of God, 
Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. He is our high priest. Our high priest after the order of Melchizedek, the king of the just. Okay, let us draw near with the true heart. That's a true repentance heart. Not a, not a fake repentance. Not a repentance with malice. It's repentance with, with honesty, integrity. Those things you can't buy. Honesty, integrity, morals. You can't buy salvation. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now this, we're just going to go over this for a second. This means uh, sprinkled from an evil conscience. This word sprinkle is saying asperse, and they got this word from like the late 15th century. It means to purge, okay? To, to purge from an evil conscience. Get that out of you, your evil conscience out of you. And bodies washed with pure water. Well, that doesn't mean uh, like, uh, hey, dude, go take a shower. Go wash up, man. Like, you, you know what I mean? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about... Um, uh, uh, we're talking about the living waters, like Revelation chapter 22. Wash yourself with the living waters of Jesus Christ, okay, uh, and other places. He is the living water. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about, you know, jump in the shower and clean up, okay? Your, your, body, is, is, your body is your present temple that houses your spirit and your soul. Your soul is what you are. You're a human being, and your spirit is who you are. Your spirit is the intellect of your soul. Your spirit is your reactive attitude that motivates all actions. Your spirit is what you get judged on. Wash it up. Wash your body. Wash your house. Okay, verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. Like he went through with his promise. He suffered. He forgives. So why can't you? Hold fast. It's your profession again with the word profession. It's your job. And job means work. Job doesn't just mean fade away. I just love Jesus and fade away. And then you romanticize who you think God is and who you think Jesus is. That's faith without works is dead. You can't just go, I just have faith. Even though it says in the Bible, yeah, through faith is salvation. Well, you can't have faith in something that you don't know. You can't just make it up. What if everybody just made it up? Then we'd have a world like we have today, full of troubles and conflicts, because everyone would have a different opinion. If people don't think the way they think and do the way they do, that's a trait of mankind. If they don't think the way they think or th do the way they do, then, oh, they're wrong. No, they're dum-dums. No, they don't understand. No, the God's Word is a standard. It's a consistent thought pattern, and you have to know it. You have to get a working knowledge to have faith in something. If you don't have a working knowledge in something, how can you have faith in it? Verse uh, 24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Now, what this is saying is when you're studying the Bible together or when you're with other Christians or with even with atheists, which seems that uh, there's a lot of them around here, you'd be, you be nice. You'd be gentle. You don't sit there and have the Bible and start thumping it. Because of what Jesus Christ said about that to his disciples. He was about to call his disciples apostles. In fact, he called them, okay, you guys are sent out now. I'm sending you out to plant the seeds of truth throughout the world. Now, this is an example to us. When we plant the seeds of truth and someone slaps you in the face, well, you're getting all up in their face with the Bible and you're starting to, you know, point fingers and tell them how wrong they are and that someone slaps you in the face, you deserve another slap. 
But if you're walking into the 7-Eleven to get a Pepsi and you're minding your own business and someone slaps you in the face, it's go time. Don't you think? We're not second-class citizens. Okay, so what this is saying is uh, be nice or go play somewhere else. It's all about the love of Christ in your heart. 25. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is by extorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You don't blow each other up blow each other out of the water. I was at a Bible study once and I'm sitting there and there was like two pastor guys. One was at the table and one was kind of standing off in the back a little bit. And every time I was saying something, teaching right out of the scripture, friendly Bible study, he would say to his other pastor guy, go check that out. Is it in there? Is it in there? And they did not back. Yeah, it's in there. Okay, like, like let's work together. Let's sit at the table together. It's all of us together. We're all part of the many-membered body. Don't jump on me. If I don't understand something, be nice to me. Say, okay, well, this is how I see the scripture. I've gone into the manuscripts, and I've used the lexicon, and I've watched how these words are built in the original language, and here's the, war here's the, here, here's the message being conveyed. It, it matches the threads that go through the Bible, and the threads are God's trademark stamp of validity that make up the threads that go through the Bible. The threads are the structural fabric of the key of David that unlock the scriptures and help you to understand that you translate within the Bible. You don't sit there and translate in modern English or translate outside the Bible. Get someone who knows how to speak Greek or Hebrew but doesn't understand the Bible. Well, they're going to sit there and, and give you all kinds of odd definitions that don't mesh with the fabric uh, or the or the the threads that run through the Bible that don't mesh with God's trademark stamp of validity what they're called is uh, they're called scripture lawyers lawyers it's so greasy okay uh, always everything on precedent always trying to disprove everything lawyers do they really care what's right and wrong or do they care about winning or losing it's like what I said to a crown attorney once I said listen dude is your job to find justice or is your job to convict? Do you win or lose a case? Do you even care to find justice? And people, once they get something in their mind, oh, they're right no matter what. Everybody else is wrong because they're right, especially when it comes to scripture. It's the most, it, it is the most, it forms so many opinions based on egotism and not based on the love of Christ. Don't sit there and try and blow each other up blow each other out of the water I go on Quora and I answer hundreds of questions under Mike Reed if you want to check it out and some of the comments I just pray for these people like they as soon as they hear something that's written in the world that they don't like oh attack me well you know I pray for you man like get the word of God in you don't blow each other blow each other out of the water and we're talking about his day we're working up to the Lord's day I don't want to see anybody in hell help others understand through teaching okay now here this these two verses are f the most formidable most intense daunting warnings in scripture i've ever read and here they go for if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of truth there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins that is that is the most daunting warning most solemn warning in scripture I've ever read. 
but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fury indignation shall devour the adversaries. Whoa. Dude. Read that for yourself a thousand times. Like, get it into you. Ta 28. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Okay, you die. You're spiritually dead. You, you die in the flesh. Dying in the flesh doesn't mean hardly nothing. Okay? Fear not those who can kill the flesh body, but those who can kill your spiritual body. Like, this flesh life is such a flash in the pan. This flesh life, life is just a vapor, as it's written in the Bible. It's like when you look at the affairs of time, infinity back billions of years, infinity forward, who knows? Billions of years, obviously. When's time ever going to stop? Never. Time will always march on. It has no perimeters. It's on. And then look at your little life, 50, 60, 70 years, 80 or 90 years. Compared to the affairs of time, it's, it's just a blip. And God just says, okay, you're going to go through this tiny little judgment period. Who are you going to love? God or me or Satan? Because I've had it. God's saying, I've just had enough. Like if you sin willfully, fury indignation. Like that is the most dire warning in the Bible. And back when it was Moses' law, yeah, you died and without mercy if you despise Moses' law. So the law is final. And Christ came to fulfill parts of the law. And you don't want to be spiritually dead. You don't want to land your butt in hell. We had the first earth age, as it's taught. There, there was an age before the ice age. That's called the first earth age. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. doesn't say when, but we know we all live because it's written. We all sang to God as, as the stars. We are the hosts of heaven. And there's tons of fossil remains, uh, fossils and remains from the first age. But there's nothing of human beings. There was an age before we were in our spiritual bodies. God says, okay, you're going to be passed through the matrix once, born innocent of woman into this age. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, the rejuvenation. And this is for a judgment. It's such a short period of time. So first age, strike one. This age, if you don't make it, strike two. Then there's a millennium period. If you don't make it, strike three, you're out. And we're not going to feel sorry for the people by the end of the third age. They've exhausted us, still carrying the ways and things of, of the world, of greed and gluttony and of, of entitlement and of, of self-pride and thinking they're better and, and, and always pointing fingers of blame and there's covetousness and suspicion. If you want to carry those things and perpetuate them, God says, I'm giving you three strikes here, three, three chances. And three strikes you're out. And by the end, even people that we love to pieces right now, we just watch them for a thousand years if they don't make it and they're still carrying those things. I, we've exhausted ourselves, man. It's time to move on. That'll be at the end of the... That's great white throne judgment. And we pray nobody is in that great white throne judgment. But as the Bible says, there's going to be a lot of people that have to face great white throne judgment. We are not going to be part of the second death. We're going to die now. Everyone's going to die in the flesh. What are you scared of? It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. But just remember, we want to be on the good side. Lazarus and the rich man, Luke chapter 16. We want to be with Lazarus and Abraham. We don't want to be with that arrogant, aggressive rich man. Trying to boss around Abraham. Abraham, send that, send that boy over here to give me a glass of water. My tongue's dry. 
Send him down to see my brothers. I got a message from my brothers. Still there bossing around thinking he's all that in a bag of chips. Forget it. Who wants that? Who needs that? We're in a place of peace beyond our present comprehension. We're not going to accommodate evil because Jesus Christ won't allow it. So he can't bring it in. So if you despise Moses' law, always remember what it says in the book of uh, Proverbs. He that turneth away his ear from the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination to God. 29. Of how much more sore punishment suppose ye that ye be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. Whoa. Like I'm telling you from verse 26 to 29 step back and meditate on this. People that bring evil up to the cross other than repentance. If you think you can negotiate with Jesus Christ, you think you can carry the things and ways of the world like spite and regret and blame, and you think that you can actually sit there in heaven and feel the slightest elation over other people's miseries, downfalls, and faults, you better think again. When Jesus Christ was on the cross, what did he say to those people that drove railroad spikes through his hands and feet and set him up there to hang off of it? unimaginable pain and suffering. He didn't say, Oh, you guys are gonna get it. Oh, watch this, what's gonna happen to you? Ah, oh, wait till you see what's gonna happen. And then, and then now he's sitting there in his spiritual body looking at these guys. Oh, I can't, they're gonna get it. Oh, yeah. Watch it, I'm gonna make them, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just have them the rod of iron. No. He looks at them with compassion and says, you guys want to get rid of all that evil you're carrying around? Because evil is hate and it eats you up from inside. You guys can come over to the kingdom of heaven and we can get on with the eternity. We can get on with exploring the infinite intricities of the creation of God. Like God has some great things for us to do. We're busy there. We're building the temple. We're part of the structural fabric of the temple. We're pillars as it's written. But these people here in verse 29 of Hebrews, uh, you know what? Uh, Jesus died on the cross. Yeah, whatever. I do what I want. I'm going to do what I want right now. I'm just going to go and I'm just going to be be this spiteful person. I'm going to be this greedy person, possessive. I'm not going to support God's word. I'm going to Costco. I'm going to the mall. I'm going to go buy a bigger car. Yeah, this is all about me right now. Oh, I got a ton of money. Oh, I went to church and gave some money. Yeah, out of your excess. Remember, remember when Jesus Christ taught where that lady came in and put a penny in the in the, in the coffers or in that whatever you call the thing the basket they pass around in church to collect money and these big shots came in and they're dumping large in there but they're dumping from their excess it's not going to cramp their style it's not going to cramp anything but this lady put in everything she had she had faith and that's that God wants to see your faith. He wants to see your works. Help glorify and magnify God's word. Get involved in getting God's words out there. He's going to see his servants sitting. Like, I'm, I don't want to use, I'm going to use myself. I'm sitting here with no electricity, no running water, just me and my little doggy. I'm all by myself. But I know I'm going to do this to the day I die. And I know people are going to come around. And they're going to help glorify and magnify God's Word. I can create this Bible teaching media, these podcasts, if you want me to do video podcasts, but help help make a great broadcasting center here. It's not for me. I don't want nothing. I'm sitting here on 77 acres of property. I don't want an ATV. I don't want stuff. 
It's not going to make me happy. What's going to make me happy is, is serving the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that will love you back. That's what I love doing, and it will love me back. And I'm looking for people to come and do it with me. But what's being said here in verse 29, oh, sore punishment. I gave you guys lots, and you didn't give back. You just thought of yourselves. Wouldn't put mutters on your pickup. Got a big exhaust on there. You're bouncing around the county here doing burnouts, drinking beers, thinking about yourself, uh, trying to get more money together for yourself. God's, God's going to judge Canada and United States way harder than our beloved Chinese brothers and sisters. They don't have a chance. They got some communist government over there that's just pounding, excuse me, pounding them down. Labor exploitation, labor exploitation should be in their, in their national anthem, or or the Russian people. Oh, Russia puts the propaganda. What a glamorous country! A glamorous country. Only 0.5 percent, 0.05 percent of the Russian people actually have a little bit of extra money. All the 99.95 percent of Russian people live in grinding poverty, who can't see a way out. Because it's, it's run by a tyrant, a communist tyrant, who's right now building a $5 billion mansion for himself. Well, there's people out there living in minus 50 throughout the winter in, in, in basically just a plywood hut. It's just brutal what, this, what the governments around the world are doing. And that those are part of Satan's dynasty it's part of his control system satan controls the world he's the treasure of the world and are you what sore punishment for you to feed into it for you to perpetuate it and not perpetuate god's word being taught not help plant the seeds of truth throughout the world like you were supposed to do if god gives you something then you have to give back verse 30 for we know him that he saith vengeance belongeth to me i will recompense saith the lord and again the lord shall judge his people he's going to require of you what he's given you if he gave you extra time, then spend some time helping glorify and magnifying God's word. Help broadcast God's word. Help get it to all the people so they have a chance. All our brothers and sisters. Don't just sit there and go to church and they go, Okay, went to church. Let's go spend some money. Go up to the mall. Let's get some more stuff we don't need. Let's fill our house. Let's make sure we look better than the people across the street. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It will be fearful. Let me tell you, this word fearful, again, means formidable. It's, it means it's the same word fearful. It's only used twice in the Bible, translated from the word phobarous. It means formidable, daunting, intense. It is an intense, daunting, formidable thing to fall into the hands of the living God. If you're not following the laws and not honoring the Lord Jesus Christ and glorifying the cross. Now here we're coming up to um, the, the Passover. Hey man, if me, white trash kid, son of an insurance salesman from some nondescript town that has no culture, Ontario, Canada, can figure this out, study the word, and figure out Hey, the Bible has the word Passover in it 79 times. Passover, oh, the Bible tells me to count 15 days after uh, the spring equinox, okay? The Bible tells me that uh, Jesus Christ became our Passover. That's the high day of Christianity. Oh, I'm going to go buy an Easter bunny now. Oh, 
Are you kidding me? If we sin willfully, verse 26, Easter, God hates. It's an abomination to God. And so every time you see the word grove in your Bible, it's Ashtaroth. It is a perverted pagan sexual orangey that's celebrated in the spring. Spring's fertility. Easter eggs, fertility. Bunny rabbits, fertility. And we bring that into the church. Well, I don't. People do. I was at Walmart yesterday. And it was like, hey, this guy, uh, I mean this lady in front of me, all the Easter eggs and all the Easter crap that you can buy celebrating, perpetuating the sexual orgy, putting it, rubbing it right in God's face. Now, I pray for that lady because obviously she hasn't been taught. She's just going through traditions of men that make void the word of God. The word Easter is not in your Bible. It's not in any manuscript. You can search your Bible. You'll find the word Easter once. It's translated from the word Pasha, which means Passover 79 other times. How did it slip into the Bible? Acts chapter 12 doesn't belong there. It's the word Passover. Jesus Christ became our Passover. And you bring that heathen pagan celebration and you and you sugarcoat God's word you forget about the crowning point of Christianity you don't teach your children what happened Jesus Christ went up there little kids he didn't compromise with evil no sin penetrated his mind thoughts or intents if you have anxieties fears or worries Jesus Christ is the way out of that because he won't accommodate it follow jesus christ or follow this easter bunny into a sexual orgy let's dress the little kids up in bonnets because that's what they did back then they set up they went into the groves like the like the the bush forest we call it the bush here in canada and the girls would run around in little bonnets and have easter eggs and the boys pervertedly would follow them and have a big sexual orgy it's the goddess astaire and it and um, their symbol is a huge phallic image of a male stuck in the ground. And they're all over Europe still. There's hundreds of them made of wood or stone. And that's where they used to celebrate it. And the Christian church, alleged Christian church, brought it right into the church and celebrates it. Easter. Things God hates. They're abomination to God. Bringing it into his house and teaching the children. Woe unto those who build house unto house. Woe unto those who think, oh, it's just Easter. The children love it, Michael. You don't understand. I understand. I understand that you're making them bastards, God says. You're teaching them abominations and things that I hate. There's no excuse. High Day of Christianity starts this year, 221, April 3rd at 6 p.m., and you celebrate it, you pay homage to God, you pay homage to Lord Jesus Christ, and you glory the cross, as it's written in the book of Galatians. Glory the cross. That's why there's a cross on every steeple. That's why there's a cross at every church. That's why there's a church, five, six churches in every town in Canada, United States, all over the place. Thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of churches. It wasn't to celebrate a sex celebration, perverted debauchery, in the springtime, Jesus Christ, the Passover. Verse 32, but call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great flight of, of afflictions. Yeah, for sure. As soon as you turn to, turn to Jesus Christ and you, and you become a Christian, it doesn't say, and now your life will be a cakewalk, Michael. No. Partly while you were made a gazing stock both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly 
whilst you became companions of them that were so used. Yeah, I wish. I'm waiting still. I'm waiting to meet people who study the Bible. I'm waiting for the many-member body to come around here. I'm craving it. I'm praying for it. I'm saying you're all by myself. I've been studying for 20 years. I didn't always walk the walk, but now I do. I talk the talk and I walk the walk. But, oh, a gazing stock and reproaches. All the people around here. Isn't that that kid that got in the child? Isn't that Michael? Isn't that him? Oh, yeah, they see me wearing my cross and living in grinding poverty. And, yeah, they make fun of me. They say bad things about me. They say, oh, you're... you're you, Michael, needed a crutch, and you found it in your Bible. Well, okay, your crutch is what? Your money? Your egotism? That's a rubber crutch, buddy. Have fun with that, okay? So gazing stock because you have the truth. Remember, mothers and fathers will bring you up before the devil and your brothers. Yeah, they're going to say, listen, Michael, get your equipment, pack your lunchbox, and get to a bricklaying job site now. What you're doing is silly teaching the Bible. That's silly. That's silly, Michael. Are you coming over for Easter dinner? We're having a pork chop. Yeah, right. I pray for you. I pray for all everybody. I pray everybody comes to repentance. I don't feel anything else inside me except that because that's how Jesus Christ felt. Okay, yeah, you'll become a gazing stock. People are going to make fun of you. Be ready for it. It's no cakewalk. But you always feel inner peace. You have, you are meek. You are self-disciplined. You learn to say no to yourself. You don't live in their prisons of sensual lust. I don't live in a prison where I think about other people's uh, mid-regions. I don't look at women with lust. I'm by myself. I, I have power over it. Jesus Christ how, taught me how to have power over sin. All the times I looked at pornography. Now I'm like, I have power over that now. It has no power on me. The power not to lie to people or to connive or try to get people to think my way. I have power over that. I have the love of Christ in my heart. I have the truth of the gospels in me. They're working through me. I can feel it. I don't long after the ways and things of the world. There's nothing I want except a warmer place here that's not a leaky roof and going to fall over to teach the Bible. That's all I want to do. I want to serve you. And I want to serve the Lord. That's all I want. I don't want stuff. I don't want to ever become a super preacher and have my own jet airplane. I don't want things. I just want a nice place to teach the Bible. And I want to be surrounded by people like that. This is the place in the wilderness that God promised you. Right here in Paisley, Ontario, Canada. Side road 2829. It's number 338. This, this little piece of heaven here that doesn't look nice in the ways and things of the world but it's 77 acres where if you come here you're not going to get judged you're not going to feel the wantings and longings of the ways of the world you're not going to experience the pervertedness of debauchery and sensual lust you're not going to be looked upon like for gratification of the of the ways of the flesh you're going to be loved no matter what you look like no matter what color you are doesn't matter this is a place of peace, and this is this is a type. Now, the ways and things of the world will always be pressing around you. But with Jesus Christ, we don't long after them. We're not going to go up there and fight for them. We're just going to sit here, teach the Bible, and then we're going to do what we can do to make a nice community. That's what's happening here, for, for me anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm all by myself right now, here March 30th, 221. But this is the place. 
If you find yourself a place somewhere else, get in touch with me. I'll come teach the Bible there with you. We'll come, we'll come fellowship together. You teach me, I teach you, we minister together. It's the greatest thing. Okay, for you have compassions of me. Of, this is like saying, for you have compassions of prisoners in the ways and things of the world, in my bonds. Think about the people in the bonds they carry, the bonds of usury, the bonds of the prisons of drugs and alcohol, the bonds of egotism, the bonds of the bonds of worrying what other people think. The bonds of one-upmanship, the bonds of tit-for-tat attitudes. Oh, he did that, I'm doing this. She did that, I'm doing this. Tit-for-tat. That's a prison people put themselves in. Sensual lust, sitting there watching porn all night long. 19 pages of porn open. Be quiet in there, kids, shut up. 19 pages of porn open here. More tokens, more tokens. Let yourself free from that. Debauchery. Learn to say no to yourself. Learn, learn, you know what? I get talking about sex all the time. Because like, society, mainstream society has put a value on the importance of sex. Society has allowed it, has allowed the mainstream media to incorporate morally corrupt lifestyles as an everyday normal. God put a value on sex as giving, love-filled act between a man and a woman who consider each other as one. You don't size up your wife. Hey, we're going to do this today. Watch this on this video. Yeah, we're going to do this. Like for your own perverted gratification. You be gentle with each other. You consider each other. You consider the, what the other person feels like. You want to be close to that person as one. And if you're like me and you're not married and you don't have anybody, then get over it. Forget it. Learn to, learn to say no to yourself. You're never going to find fulfillment in, in, in uh, mankind has perverted that beyond measure the, the, or society glamorizes barnyard morals and morally deprived minds you're never going to find fulfillment there always going to be looking at the next image chasing the next image putting expectations on your partner wanting more it's never enough it just leads to just disappointment I take your wife to, to a swingers thing or go okay then after that how do you feel just feel morally just feel like you've been morally raped. Global media perpetuates debauchery. What do you feel like when you after you've had a one night stand, then you come home to your wife and kids like, oh, it's all exciting when you're going there, but it turns you into a liar. That's adultery. That's why God calls it adultery because you're not being faithful. If you can't be faithful in the smallest things, you can't be faithful to God. That's, that's why adultery is what adultery is. If you're looking upon other people for your, for your personal satisfaction, for your personal gratification, that's adultery. That's why Jesus Christ says if you even look upon somebody, like, whoa, I want to do that. That's adultery. You're not, you're not being faithful to yourself. You're not being faithful to God. You're not being faithful to others around you. You're just selfish. That's drugs and sex, booze, wanting money, tit for tat. It's all egotism, self-pride, and that's iniquity. That's selfish. It can't get in the, the kingdom of heaven. Or it would be nothing more than a new hell. Jesus Christ would not compromise with those things. And neither should you. And you'll feel way, a whole weight lifted off your shoulders. You'll just feel so free. And the love of Christ can now enter into your heart. But not while it's, not while it's all corrupt, full of those things. Always, And then go back to verse 26, 27. Those are the most formidable, intense, 
daunting warnings in Scripture. Now we're going to go on here. We're going to finish this up. 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward to you. No way am I going to cast away my confidence in the Lord just to try and please somebody. There's no way. Try and fit in somewhere. No matter no matter what. Sit like this sit morally or the socially corrupt ways and things of the world. Oh, those guys are popular. Look at them. They even look like me. I'm going to go join that march. I'm going to join that. Um, I'm going to jump on that bandwagon. Yeah, yeah, we're all together in this, right? We hate the government, right? Or we like uh, barnyard morals, right? Let's do a parade. Or we like, uh, let's go burn some stuff and uh, get all mad at something that happened years and years ago. Yeah, let's do that. Let's rip down some statues. Yeah, I'm part of that. I'm down with that. You guys are into it? Me too. No. Cast not away your confidence, which you have great recompense. Like return of the good, recompense. You want a return of the good or return of the bad? What do you want? No way will you let Satan get to you. Verse 36, For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promises. That's your inheritance, man. Know how to claim it. It says we get a crown. Don't let someone uh, B-slap that crown right off your head. Dude, Reading the Bible is stupid. Don't you know what it says in there? Yeah, it says a lot of stupid things. Now come hang out with us. We're going to go do some stuff. We're going to burn some things. Then we're going to go march. And then we're going to go uh, hate on people for no reason. You in? Forget it. I'm going to lose my inheritance. Just to be friends with you people. I want to be friends with the many men and body of Christ. Come on out. We love everybody. We might not love what they're doing. But I can love. We can love everybody. Just the same way. People hate everybody for no reason. We can love you for no reason. Hey, I love you. I might not love what you're doing. Oh, you're my enemy? Hey, I love you, but yeah, you want to put down that gun or that bayonet that you want to cut my head off with? And uh, we can uh, sit underneath the shade tree and talk about scripture together? Sure, I love you. I'd love to do that. But no, I'm not going to sit there and uh, be in the sights of your gun, Mr. Terrorist. Uh, 37. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry it's happening man it's going down that's the way it is all prophecies come to pass to the letter right up to this day all around us like what's there not to believe except yourself 38 now the just shall live by faith but if any man draw back my soul shall have no pleasure in him no sniveling God is not your personal butler. He's not your genie in the bottle. Things are going to go wrong around the world because it's full of evil. All the evil in the world comes from the human heart. Oh, is it, is it a perfect world? Let me know. Don't sit there and blame God and draw back. No sniveling. No treating God like your personal butler. 39. But we are not of them who draw back into perdition. That's what you draw back into. Your own destructive ways. Your own sniveling ways, your own blaming ways. Don't draw back into that. Perdition is another word for Satan. Apollyon, destruction. Apollyon, that's his sacred name. It's for Satan, destruction. But of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Never draw back staying against uh, the ways and things of the world. And save your soul. It's up to you. Jesus Christ is there to help you, but you have to work at it. Wasn't that just the greatest thing? Hebrews chapter 10, that chapter was monumental, man epic chapter took me an hour to go through that i hope you enjoyed that my name is mike this is companion chapel please contact me at the companion chapel at gmail.com help broadcast and help broadcast and magnify this great word the seeds of truth throughout the world that's your job get to work at it you know what i love you to pieces i might not love what you're doing but i pray for you i want to thank you very much have a great day and bye for now